Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Leaders, originators are going to need Melody Cloud just to relax and just kind of soak it in. Thank you, Wayne, for being here today. It's 100%. 100% a pleasure to talk to you. And yes, it's, it's exactly my experience in the mortgage business is really what led me to seeking out binaural beats and guided meditation. No doubt about it. What? Okay, I mean, so, I mean, I, I the name, I think, basically kind of drive people what Melody Clouds is. And I mean, what's the best way to describe Melody Clouds? I tried. Okay, so here, this first thing right off the bat is awesome. Okay, so I tried to make as descriptive a name as I possibly could, so I did not have to keep explaining, you know, yeah. over and over what what this was. Okay, yeah. you, when when you're putting together a new business, you have two choices, especially if you're going to have a website that goes along with it, right? Yeah. Everybody went out and they bought a whole bunch of domain names, and so buying a domain name without some funky spelling that's actually a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So you're left with another choice. You could make up your own word. And then someone says, well, what is Xenon? What does that do? You know what? You know what I mean? So you or Xerox or clean. These are not real words. Yeah. So you you have that choice. You could do that. Now, I <laughs> I spent weeks sitting with my wife, watching TV, typing, putting two words together, trying to put two words together that actually meant what it is. Melody Clouds does. Melody, you know, Melody Clouds does. And yeah. I wanted a place for people to relax, to be able to have guided meditation. Um, we have over uh, 17,000 audiobooks. So things that people can do to relax and kind of, you know, get away from everything that's kind of stressing them out. Remember, we just came out of a pandemic. Yeah. So for you, this idea, did it come because you were dealing with stress and didn't have the right platform to go after or what, where did this come from? No. So here's the, the real, real. So I have tinnitus. Okay. It's a ringing in the ears. Some people call it tinnitus, whatever, but it's a, it's a very loud ringing in the ear and I don't have ever, ever have silence except when I'm listening to a certain frequency uh, solfeggio or binaural beat. And we can get into that, but <clears throat> that it, it counteracts the nerve damage that I have done, the, you know, being in the military and, you know, being a kid listening to loud music. I'm 55. I just turned 55 the other day. So, you know, just being old dude, just walking around being old, guess what? You, you have, you can uh, suffer nerve damage in your ear. Um, and that's what, got me on this to begin with because I always thought this stuff that it was guided meditation, all that stuff was like woo woo, real crunchy kind of nonsense. It's not. Oh no. I, I, I yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it, it's, I was the same way probably about like four or five years ago. And then, you know, it's one of the things you start picking up and you're like, well, I, I just wasn't open to it yet. Well, the powerful thing to me was when I was starting to pick up beats that would block grief I would have people contacting me going, hey, look, I'm going through a divorce and I listen to X and I listen to this. And man, it just took such a load off of my heart. 
And that sense, I get it now. I'm all shivery because, you know, dude, when you can have that kind of an effect on someone, then I realize, okay, we're going to make this a business. We're going to really put forth a lot of effort and this can actually work. What's, I mean, there would seem like, and, and I could totally be wrong because I haven't done a lot of research to see how many websites like this or platforms. I mean, it, there would seem like there'd be a lot of competition. There's not? No, there is a ton. There's a ton of okay, people. Okay. Did that stop in and out from making no. hamburgers? Did that yeah, stop yeah. Burger King? I mean, dude, you got McDonald's right up the street. Dude, why yeah. you need Burger King? Nah, I never believed any of that. Look, you can't compete with me. Okay? Yeah. That's just the bottom line. You cannot compete with me. I am going to, by the way, by the way. So and that's a very good point. Yeah. I'm asking $2.99 for people to give me a try for 60 days. Yeah. Okay? Three bucks. Yeah. You don't believe my BS? Try it for 60 days. I, I let that go. $2.99. Yeah. When you find out how powerful what it is I'm doing is for you, yeah. it's $5.99. So I'm not trying to get rich on anybody, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this this to me is way bigger thing than that. I have other businesses. We do just fine. Yeah. What what offended me and what got me to price where I am is when I found out that some of these other sites were yeah. charging people $20, $25 for this. Come on. See, what, what, Melody Clouds is worth the money you're paying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Melody Clouds is worth the money you're paying. Some of these other sites and I'm not going to name them, but you know who I'm talking about. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. It's up for you to, it's for you to decide. But I'll yeah. tell you one thing. When you look at my app, the biggest button on my app is the unsubscribe button. <laughs> and my app developer goes, whoa, 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 no, oh, no, you can't do that. I go, the hell I can't. Yes, I can. That button needs to be in the middle and that button needs to be big. Because mm -hmm. I don't want your money if this isn't a benefit to you. And that goes to everybody out there listening to this. That's great. I mean, and that's uh, coming from abundance, right? I mean, that mindset of, you know what? Because a this lot of people is, are scarcity. Like, make it really putting hard. Putting my money do where my mouth is, dude. Yeah. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. If this doesn't benefit you, see ya. Well, well let's rewind, Wayne, to a, mm -hmm. a young Wayne. I mean... You, you have a lot of businesses. You're running a lot of different businesses. We're going to focus as much as possible on Melody Clouds. Sure. But, I mean, a young Wayne, I mean, was he an entrepreneur? I mean, who was a young Wayne growing up? Yeah, so I always, I always was like this. When I was younger, like in high school, I lived next to a golf course. And I noticed that there were, you know, this golf course had a, uh, uh, a clubhouse. But other than that, there was really no place for people to get drinks. And this was a little bit back where they didn't have the cart girl like they have the cart girl now. So I got a couple friends together and we set up lemonade stands on, you know, various golf holes. And I made a freaking killing. Mm. And eventually it got to the point where I was able without, you know, I was selling other drinks as well because people kept asking me for it, you know. And so I would kind of... You couldn't do it now, but you know, back when I was growing up, it you know, people kind of turned the other cheek. They they looked the other way. I would sell sodas. There was some beer involved. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it was enough for me that I ended up selling each one of these lemonades. I had uh, 
several different golf courses that I was doing this for, and I ended up selling them all and making a nice sum. And it got me started at cooking school. Oh, okay. And I decided very quickly that cooking school was not what I needed to be doing. Um, and then I joined the military. I was in the army for eight years. So, I mean, jumping from the entrepreneur mindset to culinary school to join the military, you yeah. would, it, it would seem like, right, the entrepreneur, all right, we have like thinking outside the box, the culinary maybe going by, still think outside the box a little bit, getting creative, and then military regiment. Like, I mean, what did this change happen? What What happened there? I tell you what, basic training, man, I loved it. I, I, okay, I left cooking school where I was with a bunch of fat dudes sweating in my food, screaming at me. When I This is a true story. When I got to basic training at Fort Jackson, my drill instructors got so frustrated with me because I was like Gomer Pyle. Now, yeah. some of your audience is going to know who Gomer Pyle is, okay? He couldn't stop smiling. He was a Marine. He couldn't stop smiling because his life before that had been just so bad. Well, that two-year experience in cooking school was such a antithetical experience to who I am that I was just so happy to be there. You know, my drill instructor, they loved me, but they were like, man, you must be half stupid. You know, <laughs> why we're trying our hardest to make this a bad experience for you and you are eating it like it's pudding. This is awesome. So, you know. It, well, it sounds like you were enjoying it, eight years oh, of it. Yes. Uh, look, I absolutely love being in the Army. I, I saw the Berlin Wall fall. I stood on top of it the night that it fell. There are things that I did while I was in the military. I, I won the bull riding in the first rodeo in a communist country. Those are experiences, man. Mm -hmm. I owe uh, the Army a lot. Well, So you... You're in the military for eight years. Yeah. Does the entrepreneurship journey kind of go away while you're in the military? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I was stationed in Germany. Okay. So, you know, you you, you had uh, access to things that your host country, they didn't have access to. Mm. And, you know, certainly the, you know, um, you know, people get blue jeans, whatever it was, sugar, whatever it was, you know, you had a, and I'll tell you one thing I made money at and will probably surprise you. So we would go to these rodeos and we, we would have these dances and I was very good at two-step polka, shoddish, cotton eye Joe. And I would have girls lined up. I mean, look at me. Okay. But I would have girls lined up wanting to dance with me. And we turned that into a profitable, you know, experience for me. So it was always, there's always been opportunities. I see opportunity as much as I possibly can. Wait, wait. So, so women were paying to dance with you? Oh yeah, yeah. A couple marks, you know, nothing crazy. But they would, if I didn't do that, then they would fight. I was on TV one night, a German TV station. I cannot believe I'm telling this, but I was on a German TV station one night, and they they videoed or they they, they broadcast this place called the Alabama Club. And I was dancing with this German girl to the Wabash Cannonball. And anyone that knows that song knows it gets faster and faster and faster and faster. And so I, I start spinning this girl in the middle of the room. And finally, her feet leave the floor. 
She is floating in my arms and I am still spinning. And she is looking at me like, dude, if you drop me, I'm dead. The crowd went crazy. So, yeah, I, I, it, everything is an opportunity. So, so after your semi gigolo time frame, <laughs> it's not military. like that at all. I'm married, <laughs> dude. I got kids. It's not like that at all. But yes, I got, I see what you're going. Um, what, what happens next? You, so eight years was enough for you. So, so what happens next is we elect Bill Clinton to be the president of the United States and he decides he doesn't need an army anymore. Yeah. So they gave me again, money-making opportunity. They offered me $35,000 get out of the army. Well, you know, being that young, I was still 24, 25, 26, somewhere in there. I took the money. And I decided I would go to college. And so I came home. I went back to Texas. I, I, I was raised in Cut and Shoot, Texas. So I went back home. I went to college. Um, and, you know, I started a mortgage company, uh, Midway Mortgage. We we refinanced a um, houses that, that were built to 80%. It, we could mm -hmm. go into that. But it, that was, a that again, that was an education. Where, where did you, I mean, so you, you go to college. I mean, where, where did the, the, the structure, the game plan of getting into the, the mortgage industry kind of come from? Where did that kind of transition happen? Necessity. Okay. So here, so I went to college first two years was at the university of Mannheim and the university of Heidelberg in Germany. And I came home again, you know, they basically, you know, asked me to leave the army. I took the bonus and I came home expecting that I would have GI Bill and college fund, right? And that my credits that I had already earned, I expected to go in as a junior in school, as opposed to just, you know, being 26 years old and being a freshman in college. Yeah. I go to Sam Houston State University and they had other ideas. They wanted me to start my, I learned a foreign language to go to school, sir. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, I was in, I was, I went through war. I was bulletproof. I, I was in no mood whatsoever to start over with a bunch of 18-year-old kids. God bless them. But I was in no mood to go back through the first two years of college. Mm. So my father pulled me aside and said, hey, look, you're going to have to figure something out. Either you finish school or you, you, know, you just start your career. You know, plenty of people go through life, don't have a college degree, and become, you know, very successful people. Yeah. And it turns out I'm one of those people. Not proud of the fact that I don't have a college you know, degree, but I, I also know what my life's path was, and it ain't the end of the world. Well, what I mean, with that opportunity of getting into the mortgage industry, did you have did you know someone that was already in there? No. So this was really cool. So being in Texas at the time, they did not have home equity loans. So you could live in your house, but you couldn't educate your kids with it. You couldn't put in a swimming pool with it, right? Mm. Here in California, I have all of those options. The yeah. home, you know? Well, I didn't like that. I did not like the idea of owning a car and just using it for trunk space. Mm. It caused one of the biggest fights my father and I ever had because he was a homestead kind of guy. Mm. This is your home. You don't mess with it. You don't let the, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. But I, I even went and, and lobbied the Texas legislator, le Texas legislature to bring in home equity, and it passed. And I was working for beneficial lending at the time, and we were doing uh, signature loans. 
And then they brought in, they said, hey, look, you did such a good job with, you know, uh, lobbying for this, talked people into, you know, buying in on giving people equity in their home, right? Why don't you head up? Why don't you start doing home loans? Mm. Well, that taught me a very, very important lesson because the first four or five loans I did with Beneficial, I realized how little I got paid for doing that and how much they were making. Hmm. I went, whoa, 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 this was not the plan. I need to get a little bit bigger bite of that. You know, how am I ever going to get, not rich, but how am I, you know, this is a waste of time for me. Yeah. So just about the time Double Patel from New Century called me. And he, he like, hey, I like what you're doing. Why don't you come over and work with us? And I made a boatload of money with New Century, uh, AmeriQuest. You know, some of the lenders, they're no longer with us. But, you know, I'm talking old school. Now, you're, I mean, for people listening, I mean, originators, sometimes they'll get basically access to someone else's portfolio. Sometimes, I mean, but for the most part, I think a lot of originators are fighting for their own piece of the pie. And for you to transition from kind of fighting for your own piece of the pie as an originator and then starting your own basically firm, what was that transition like? Well, you know, I started learning the term smiling and dialing. You know, um, yeah. I was pretty young, pretty young guy. And, you know, the younger you are, um, the harder it is to do that. It, it, you know that it is a numbers game. Now, there yeah. are things to do to make those numbers shrink for you. Hmm. Um but I'm a very analytic, even in my businesses now, I'm a very analytical guy. And what bugs me, even in the mortgage business, even in the lending, even in the uh, real estate business, most of the people I talk to have no idea who their customers are and they have no idea where their customers live. And they, you can't reproduce anything that you don't know what it is or who it is. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. You're fine. So, I very quickly got those analytics together and was able to, and you know what, we're, we're, I'm able to do this in my other business as well. I'm able to multiply those customers pretty quickly once I've identified them. Because mm. you now with the technology we have now, you can really, really zero in with Google Analytics, some of these tools to really pinpoint so you know exactly who to advertise and where they are when they are receptive to your advertising. Now, how long, how long ago was this when you started getting really good into Google Analytics? Or knowing your well, uh, two okay, so when I, I wrote my book, When Bad Credit Happens to Good People. Yeah. For, I wrote two books, okay. uh, Credit 101 and Mortgage 101. Both books sold zero copies, okay? <laughs> One cost me $10,000 to make. The other cost me $8,000 to make. And dude... My wife and I look at one another and laugh about it now. I mean, but it was not funny at the time. I mean, because if you can do simple math, that's $18,000. I basically just threw away. It wasn't even yeah. gambling. You know what I mean? There was no chance of making any money from that. Third book, however, when bad credit happens to good people, it's still on Amazon now. And, you know, I, I've done, I will say I've done very, very well with that because then I understood what the game was. Then I understood about how to write for the mass. I understood how to publish something on my own, how to, how to take those things. I learned a lot. So that $18,000 actually was the best college courses that I could have possibly gone through. Really, you want the truth about it. 
was so was the intention of the first two books i guess to i mean what was the intention of the first two books to, to yeah, basically that, build your brand very, that, that's a very good i i love that thank yeah. you yeah so i had midway mortgage i owned my own mortgage company i was basically um doing um homes i was refinancing homes with fha mortgages right yeah um that were built to 80 percent. in other words there was a single investor he went in and this was in texas he built the home to 80%. You could come in with sweat equity, the 20%, and that was your down payment, okay? okay? Now, I don't know anywhere else on the planet that that was okay to do. California would burst into flames before they ever let you do something like that. But Texas was like, sure, let's do that. So I hired a bunch of loan officers to help me because th this guy, these neighborhoods were huge. But they couldn't tell me whether the guy could afford to buy steam off a hot dog. Mm. You know what I mean? They they would bring me these credit reports and I would be like, oh, did you hold that thing with your bare hands? I mean, this was no, no, you know. So that's what Credit 101 was. It was to teach people this is how you read a credit report before you bring it to me. So it, it was a, it was a manual for your company, but then you thought, hey, you know what? The masses should know this information too. Yeah, I thought that everyone should know the nitty gritty what everything on a credit report should mean. That's my bad. Okay, my yeah. bad. Not everybody needs to know that. Yeah. What people need to know, what what you know, human normal human beings need to know is how to improve their credit report. What you know, how to how to um, treat their credit. That's what they need to know. They need to know a 35,000 you know, foot view of what credit is because it's illegal to teach that in any high school or college in this country. And that's yeah. a shame. Well, again, now, I think for a lot of people listening, right? I mean, when you're building a business, you want to basically almost treat it like if, some, if you're going to franchise it out in the future, right? And that's something it seemed like you were doing at that point at a young age. I mean, so today when you're building a business, What's the difference of writing a book for the masses compared to writing a manual for your company? Well, the number one thing is you got to know who your customer is. Okay. You, when you start a project, you, you may think you know. That's what shocks me about a whole lot of people. Because I will ask them when we get into a conversation like this, I'll say, well, who's your customer? And they'll just rattle off. And then my next question is, well, how do you how do you know that? Because in my brain, I've already thought of three or four different types of people you didn't name. Yeah. One of the businesses that I operate, um, I had no idea that it was so popular with educators, teachers. Hmm. And I only knew that because I had Google Analytics set up and they were the ones that were touching it and feeling it. And so once my advertising started taking that into consideration, placing it in front, that thing went, I mean, just straight through the roof. Hmm. And that's what people do not understand. Realtors, if you are advertising to the mass, to every, to a stadium full of people, hmm. you're screwing up hmm. because not everyone can afford to buy a home in San Diego. <laughs> no, bro. Come on, man. You're wasting so much air. I'm not yeah. trying to be ugly. I'm just yeah. saying, look, let's find out. And by the way, I ever I found you. Yeah. Now I need to do a lookalike audience. Yeah. I need to find everyone that you know. Hmm. That's the power of you know referrals. 
so people understood that a long time ago, but I'm talking going one step further. And you have, sorry, you have the ability to follow people to their next two steps, three steps. I don't go any further than that, but I, you know, just remind them, hey, you know, remember we spoke, you saw me over here. I'm going to follow you in next, another couple steps, just to remind you that I am available. I, I do what you want. Well, when you, you first started in building brands, building businesses, right? It's okay. Dissecting my audience, knowing who they are and going for it. You're, you, you've talked multiple times now about Google Analytics, about using current technology to do what you used to do, probably, which took you a lot more time to do it. Oh, I mean, man. are you? Are you staying up on the data yourself? Or are you paying a company to do it? No, I 100%. I look when when I wrote that book, that's yeah. what got me with Google Analytics because I made a website and I wanted to find out why are my books not selling? Yeah. I know how to read and write this. When bad credit happens to good people, I was proud of that book. I am proud of that book. It's hilarious. Mm. You try writing a book on credit and make it funny. Mm. Go ahead. I'll sit here. We'll all wait. Bring it back. I will. My dad called me and he goes, dude, this is hysterical. And I'm like, what? And he goes, your book. He goes, I got your book. I, I, I go, you read it already? He goes, well, Wayne, it's not, you know, it, it's written like you're, you talk. Yeah. In other words, eighth grade level. Okay. <laughs> it's not that difficult to read. You know, I was trying to write like a PhD. First two books I tried to write, and I did. I was successful at it because no one wanted to read it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to know your audience is basically what I'm saying. You got to know who you're talking to. Then I realized, okay, I'm just going to have a conversation with people. I'm going to, I want you to hear my voice in this book. So I said, hey, dad, do you hear my voice? He goes, dude, I hear, I 100% hear your voice in this book. And that's very key. Now. I made a website and then I started thinking to myself, okay, who's going to this website? How do I find out who is not how many people that's important, but it's not the real important thing. And so Google analytics, they raise their hand that we can tell you. And so I went through a 10 part Google analytics course. Didn't take very long, very basic analytics course. And I did not even know it at the time, but that started me on something that I was incredibly interested in. In-market segments. Do you know what in-market segments are? You are screwing yourself out of business if you don't know what an in-market segment is. That is who your actual customer is. Those people are in the market. This okay. segment of people are in the market for what you are trying to sell them. And one thing would be nice to know, right? You mm. want to know where those people hang out. Yeah. Well, Google Analytics will let you know that. And <laughs> this is not a commercial for Google. They just do it really, really, really well. Yeah. And for all of those people that are out there going, man, they're stealing our data. Okay, guess what? Before they started using your data and putting all of that stuff together, you had to suffer through all of the feminine hygiene ads, you had to suffer through all of the ads that did not apply to you and you hated it. And I heard you. I know you did. I, I heard everyone complaining and whining and crying. Why are so many cigarette ads and why? Are, I, what, you know, what's going on? Well, guess what? That's why every time you get on the Internet, 
Every time you turn on your TV, every time you pick up your phone, the ads you see are tailored to you. So thank you, Google. <laughs> I mean, if we're looking in the future, let's say we're looking five years, or I mean, whatever it might be in the future, being that you have so many fires going, so many different companies that you're building, when do you know it's okay for you to kind of step away from that company and start another company, or at least basically bring on another company uh, that you're not basically overwhelmed, I guess, with uh, managing too much? I try to automate every one of my things as much as I possibly can. Okay. And I have people around me that need work or, you know, want help or, you know, can't do what it is exactly that I do. And the minute that I don't, I run out of those people, then I will bring in more people and have brought in more people. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know how good a boss I am, but I don't have a whole lot of people fighting, you know, firing and you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. quitting or whatever. I look at it like, hey, you know what? We together, you and I, we can, and I can teach you how to do this too. So if you decide ever to leave me and go do your own thing, no harm, no foul. I'm going to keep doing what it is I do. You know what I mean? And so to answer your question is once, if I lose interest in something, but it's still making me money, then I may give it to someone else and let them work it and just I'll take my, you know, I'll take a cut of it. Uh, uh, Blackcock Survival, th th that is one of those businesses. Once the pandemic ended, people were not as, they were not as big on survival. You know, for, right. we, we, there were for a couple of years, man, we were really worried about whether or not, we, you know, this was the end of the world. We are now breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief. Not enough that I'm going to shut it down but enough that I've automated it most to the point where I don't have to pay attention to it every single day. So let me get it straight that over the years you've, you've met people and you go, Hey, you know what? This person would be great if I had a business that would correlate to them that I could probably. Yeah. Only, people, only people I have relationship with only people that, you know, way before that I have, I know you, you know what I mean? What's the longest from meeting someone to propositioning them or I guess giving them opportunity to be part of one of your businesses? Oh, a uh, couple minutes. So, oh, okay. Some I've been friends with for 15, 20 years. And just kind of I mean, Pat happened. Wallace, shout out to Pat Wallace. <laughs> I've been friends with Pat Wallace since we were in the mortgage business together. You know, and we we kind of go in and out of he was best man at my wedding. Yeah. Okay. Um, love that dude. The, you know, we, we, he and I are always looking, you know, to get in and wrestle. You know what I mean? We, we, <laughs> we, we want to get in there and actually do some work together. Yeah. And Melody Clouds actually has given us our next opportunity. Really, our next opportunity is Melody Clouds. Not to, you know, bring it back to that, but no. that's our next, you know, uh, th this project we're working on together. Well, I mean, I guess if someone's listening right now and they're looking to find more information about Melanie Cloud, I mean, I guess it's pretty simple. Go to the website. Go to the website. And, <laughs> and it's in the show notes. It, what's the best way of them people staying in tune with other projects, other companies that you're building, or just getting more information about something that yeah, you're if someone, And I, look, I have this all the time. I don't want anyone to be bashful about that either, yeah. you know, because I, I enjoy talking about that. I mean, I, it's pretty obvious, I think. Yeah. Um, Wayne Altman at Melody Clouds is probably the best way 
of getting in touch with me business wise. Mm. Every all my friends know how to get in touch with me, you know, like on a personal relationship wise. Yeah, yeah. I got a bat signal, you know, but that is probably the best way. Now, I do coaching for people. I don't charge any money. If you're paying someone to coach you through something, maybe you need to slow your roll a little bit and find somebody that's willing to pass along a little bit of knowledge to you. Huh. Um, and, you know, because that really, that's what I think I'm here for. It, I'm pretty much an open book when it comes to that. I would feel weird, I think. Not that saying that I haven't done it before, but, you know, I mean, I would feel a little bit weird selling you something I could just give you. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Thank you, Wayne, so, so much. I know we kind of jumped around a lot. I mean, for anyone listening right there, go in the show notes, go to Melody Cloud. I mean, (laughs) Wayne's talked about it, that he's willing to give the time. I mean, if you're, I think you're willing to do something with based on the time that he gives you. But I mean, just the jolt of of listening to Wayne right there, I think for any of the listeners right there, it almost kind of makes me want to just get up. And I have scared the crap out of anyone listening. I have, you, there will be no one contacting me, my friend. I mean, I have scared the bejesus out of anyone that would contact no, me. It's, a, it's that excitement. It almost feels like I just drank a rock star right now just talking to you. So, no, thank you, Wayne, so much for being here. You know, just because... Wayne's voice and excitement gets you going. Melody Cloud will do the total opposite and just get you relaxed back on point. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe. Please share. Go in the show notes and go find Melody Cloud. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.